everyone, welcome back to another episode of Strip by Sia, your podcast for strippers, sex workers, and all the fancy naked people in between. I am your host, uh, Steph Sia, that is my name. I also go out by the name of Kimchi on stage, which you'll probably be catching me back at Shaker Show Lounge in a couple weeks at the time of this recording. And I am also a digital content creator, so I do have an OnlyFans. I make clips and stuff online, custom videos, uh, fetish work and kink work, and you can check that out on my links. As well as I was a former sugar baby back in the day, I speak about those experiences on some of the AMA episodes, so if you want to hear about that, that, feel free to go ahead and listen. Um, also, sh- big shout out to Arup Sarkar as well as Justin Erickson, who are patrons on the top tier of our Patreon. Don't forget to take a look at that, um, especially now that we have exclusive video content on there, including today's episode with the fabulous Reed McFarlane, who I will be speaking to today all about tantric touch. And I'm really, really, really excited to bring Reed on because while we actually know each other from a long time ago, um, I still consider, I still consider you as my uncle. (laughs) I still see that. Um, Even though you're my ex niece, I still feel you feel very, I feel very, uh, yeah, familial feelings for sure. Familial feelings. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm just really, really thrilled to, um, talk to you about tantric touch what that entails, what kind of techniques go along with that. Um, Reed is a, <clears throat> sorry, Reed is a movement and embodiment yoga facilitator uh, based here in Vancouver, Canada, who uses shamanic techniques to help release trauma. So it's going to be a really, really jam-packed episode. Um, when Reed came to me about this topic, I was like, wow, you know, what? I actually don't really know much about this. I know um, based on the past episode that I've done with erotic body work, there has been a lot of interest. It has been a lot of questions. So it really is about time that we bring this topic onto the show. And this is basically a brand new topic as well, because I have not reported on this at all. So yeah. Okay. 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 Well, I feel feel very prescient in contacting you then. Well, I'm so thrilled to have you on, but I don't know if I butchered your intro, but if you want to give the audience, yeah, if if you wanted to kind of define who you are, it is in your own words and terms, feel free to go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, there's a lot I could, there's a lot I could say and interrupt me if, if I go over time, because, you know, as, uh, as I, uh, as we did in the preparatory interviews, I basically told you the the history of the world in the context of what I do. (laughs) It was very helpful. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so so I'm yeah I I got into uh, tantric tantric massage and touch as part of my journey towards mental and physical health, and it, it just became uh, just part of the process. Throughout my adult life at work and so forth, I'm an advocate for for mental health and physical health, and uh, and allyship with queer communities. Um, uh, all that's really important to me and very dear to my heart, of course, because I'm a male. Uh, and I understand the male perspective. I'm very focused on male, male health, particularly queer men, and and people who identify as men or people have male energy, so to speak. You know, right. I, I use the term I use the term male quite loosely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Myself, I don't know. You know, we're all on the spectrum in terms of gender and sexuality. I'm, yes. you know, I I, I used to be sort of a uh, 
100% queer and now gay, queer, whatever. And now I'm moving more towards uh, pansexuality. Um, so I've been doing, um, started getting into yoga uh, about 42 years ago to wow. specifically address some physical needs when I was a teenager. I had terrible posture and I neck issues, which mm-hmm. continue to this day. Um. And then the tantra, uh, tantra, uh, because I've I've um, had experienced uh, bullying due to uh, you know being gay kid growing up in the in the seventies and eighties, and, mm-hmm. and then um, delayed sexual development, and um, um, it's it's quite likely I was raped as a toddler. So there's a lot of trauma trauma around sexuality, and so so that led me in there. And then, wow. and then I also found while exploring trauma that a lot of gay gay men have body dysmorphia. Yeah. And uh, and so this is so this is why I started. Um, I would say yeah, why I started the naked yoga. Yes, you also do naked yoga. Yes. Because when doing naked yoga, you become very aware of very aware of your body and space. And it mm-hmm. and it becomes desexualized surprisingly fast. Like some some guys, they come to their first yoga class, and maybe the first five minutes, they might have a hard on, right? You know, and they feel mm-hmm. awkward and awkward and all that. But then after five minutes, you start doing the practice, and people just you know people just let you do your thing. They don't you know. And then we're off and running, and you just have this this beautiful sense of being within yourself. Yeah, you know, and I can't stress this enough. Like people, people think it's just a minor, um, like a minor kink. Just remove the clothing. No, no, but it's actually a profound shift. Actually, when you remove the clothing, it really, it really is. Right. I'm not sure if you've had certain uh, similar experiences, Steph, or talked with other with other people, but mm. not in the yoga context. No, but I mean nud- nudity, uh, him- naturism, or nudity in general. Yeah, no, definitely. Like it is definitely an experience. It's a process. I mean, I'm a stripper, yeah, so yeah. it that has, yeah, that's like sort it, of a different approach because that's more that's more of a different. that's more of a a sexual you know you know display. Although um, mm-hmm. although my perspective is a bit different. Like it it's not asexual. It just includes the sexual as a part of general embodiment. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. And you you ha- you do so many things, so so many things. We're gonna try to address a little bit because it all goes into the, your yeah work. yeah the pieces that I bring into my work. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk about those. The other things that I do for sure. Like, well, let's just get into some of the meat of things. So, um, for those who are listening, and I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that you know they're not really sure what tantric touch is. Can you explain a little bit in your own definition what it is for the audience? So, so this would be appropriate to give a bit of historical context, right? About about tantra, yeah. Yes. So I'm no uh, tantra expert, but but from my own studies and from what I've gleaned from the tradition, it 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 basically came out of some Hindu and Buddhist traditions. There's a, sort of two two sides to these uh, contemplative traditions. One is one is where the um, the sadhu goes into a cave, right, and isolates and um, and and pursues enlightenment. The world of tantra, though, is different. That there, you pursue enlightenment through the ways of the world. So, and that's where the sex comes in. Sex is a worldly thing, but you could also use, but you could also use anything to help. 
access. Like, for example, it could be an element of your so-called karma, right? So, so like you're, if you're an addict, you could use your addiction to your drugs as, as a way to take the tantric path. You work with what, what you have in, mm-hmm. the, in the physical world, your, your own limitations. And so this is where the mm-hmm. sex comes in. Because um, sex is probably our most uh, intense physical expression. Mm-hmm. This is the perfect tool in which to you sort of increase the sexual awareness, and then and then you use that to to tap into the into spiritual awareness and just general expansions of consciousness. Now this is hard. To, now this is hard to wow. explain without actually doing it because it is very experiential but to give you uh, but to give you a, a sense how i put it this way is that everything we feel is basically is, is basically our consciousness and to a certain extent we are responsible for creating that consciousness minute by minute so 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 when you're doing tantric work, you're you're physically present, you're emotionally present, you're spiritually present, and you try and increase that consciousness, that awareness. So so now some of the work may like it typically does include um, relax relaxing the body, and then you relax the body, okay. then that awakens the sensuality. You start enjoying it. There might be some sexual response. There may not. Okay, so it's a little bit of a process. Yeah, sometimes people will go straight into the spiritual aspirations. The sexual sexual energy naturally moves in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I used a couple terms from Kundalini Yoga. Okay, which is which is about through the use of use of breathing techniques, you move sexual energy sort of up the spine, up the chakras. And up to the head, and then you find that the sexual energy is transmuted into a kind of more meditative state and something closer to a spiritual euphoria. Oh, wow. That's a beautiful definition. And it's hard to tell the difference between um, an orgasm and the state. I was going to say, like, how do you differentiate between pleasure and um like something that more it's more spiritual they're they're actually all on the continuum they're all on a continuum okay okay yeah and it's a kind of like you know when when you get these sort of mental orgasms it it, it is very much like a entering a state of love or joy you know some very gotcha. basic some very basic state uh but again it's experiential and and mm-hmm. for example like like one of the most, just to give you a sense of what it's like, one of the first things that I do is I'll is I'll hold on to the chest of the client. They'll hold on to my chest. I'll open my eyes. We'll stare into each other's eyes. We'll open our mouths so a completely open posture like this, and wow. then we stare into each other's eyes. And then it's what happens after that is really interesting. You start to feel a movement of energy between the two people, and then you feel a kind of high, like like you're out in nature and you're seeing the most beautiful thing. And that's what I often say. 
I say, stare into my eyes like you're seeing the most amazing sunset. Blend in with that. And then it's it's really beautiful what happens. People's heart just opens. And, Open up. Um, yeah. and, and during my last workshop, it was amazing. There were like 12 guys in the room and it was happening spontaneously. Like you really, it's just about human connection and and our birthright as humans, that connection that we so deeply want. And it's there in an instant if we use the right attitude, the right posture. So so I had men in that group, some were some were laughing, some were angry, some were crying. And they don't even know why. It's just Yeah, it's just, it's just natural coming yeah, out. It's just this law intense longing. You know, the the sort of the gay men obsession with sex, it's it's not really about sex. It's about it's about the desire to be a part of this brotherhood, and this is what, and this is really where the the orgiastic longings and the hypersexuality comes from. It's because we we are so we are so distant from our um, kind of tribal past where we're so connected, mm. right? So deeply connected with the people that we lived with. Right. We don't have rites of right. passage with our brothers like we like we did before we were so-called civilized, right? Yeah. So I guess like, would you say like what the aim of tantra is is to? It's almost like a connection, a spiritual connection. Tantra is a spiritual path, you know. So, <laughs> like I was saying, it's there from my perspective. It's practical, emotional, it's practical, physical, and psychological methods to to expand yeah. consciousness and to work towards our spiritual aspirations. Because of the power of sexuality, that's, that's a really important thing in the toolbox. It's one of mm-hmm. the things I access most frequently. Sometimes okay. it's just in words. Sometimes I just play with sexual imagination. Sometimes there's no touching. It's just getting into the headspace where people can accept their desires and sexual desires interesting it's a bit like it's a bit like coaching really because i don't actually yeah because i don't actually like my clients create the experience the the guys create it they create the they really create the whole container Really? So you're you're kind of like guiding them. Yeah, exactly. But I share my experience, and then and then they pick up what they need. Right. You know, that's why I use the word facilitator, and I don't say yoga teacher. There we go. Although the irony is, I probably get more into the nit nitty gritty of what what constitutes constitutes an asana than almost any other yoga teacher because I don't go. You know, I don't go by rote. Like I go, I, I really am very focused on on the client and as well as on myself, where I'm coming from. So I need to be authentic. You know, if I'm, mm-hmm. if I'm feeling shaky, you know, a little lack of confidence, I bring that in the room. That's, that's part of the, my interpretation of the tantric way too, is that I am also a participant and I'm also very vulnerable yeah. and I make, and I make mistakes. There's that's you know, so, so important. I can, I, can, I can misread a client and I'll apologize, mm-hmm. right? I take risks. Yeah. Risky business. It's a bit risky business. Vulnerability. Yeah. That's that's a really key word there because um I know like when we had our initial phone call and stuff too, we we were talking about um body dysmorphia within the gay community and looping yeah. in men's mental health 
and, you know, the, maybe the lack of addressing that or pushing that away. Like, did you want to speak a little bit about that? Because I think it's really important. To uh, sure, sure. Absolutely. So, you know, like, okay, so men, they try and be tough, right? Yes. Yeah. They, t- they, they think they need, they, uh, gay men think they need top energy. And I don't know, um, I don't know if all your, um, I should, should I talk a little bit about topping and bottoming? And yeah, you can do a, a really, really brief uh, intro to that just because there are some people that are not even in sex work at all that listen to the show too. So if you don't have gay friends, you might not know all the jokes about topping and bottoming. And uh, I think, I think the whole thing is kind of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Top is a label meaning that you prefer to penetrate, you prefer to fuck somebody. Mm-hmm. And then bottoming means you prefer to be, you're, if you're a bottom, you prefer to be fucked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is anal sex. Yes. What I don't talk about topping and bottoming, if somebody says they're a top, what I interpret that to mean is that they're thinking uh, too much about masculine energy. And, and yeah. to me, it's to me, yoga is all about balance. If you know, if you've been to a yoga class, it's all about balance. Oh yeah. Right. And, and I bring that and I, and obviously I bring that to Tantra. So so if so if a guy has all these um, topping sexual fantasies or 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 dominant or or if he says he's he likes to sexually dominate then mm-hmm. then there's a lot there's a couple things to tease apart there say you know and and it's more like uh, I'm not psych, psychoanalyzing these guys what I'm saying is this is what I hear and something and I just want to give them some things to examine in terms mm-hmm. of their their in terms of their like, do they have a wide sexual perspective? Are they, are they, are they in their body sexually as as as, as deeply as they need to be? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and as we explore feminine and masculine energies, um, by the end of a session, men might be have start having bottoming fantasies. I've seen this. Wow. Like I've seen it. Uh, not too long ago, a guy came into a session. He was, you know, saying, "Oh, I'm a top," and he was talking about all these fantasies. And then, and then, but then uh, halfway through, he started crying, and then he started expressing some some bottoming fantasies. So, um, and and it's and it's really quite beautiful. But and what I talk a lot about is not so much as. I talk a lot about the nature of giving and receiving okay. and how this is inherently erotic. Yeah. Go into that. So, and, and it's really important to understand the, the erotic qualities of our connection. And when I say that our everyday connections are erotic, I mean that they can be as full of emotional power and sweetness and care and consideration as, as lovemaking, right? Mm-hmm. It's all, it's all about human connection. And, and in terms of bottoming, what we should really be talking about is receiving. Are we receiving in an open way? And do we know what we want to receive? I talk about this in terms of sex because sex is such a powerful emotion yes or, or i'm not sure if i call it emotions it's a, sex is its own thing but <laughs> um so and and i f- find it interesting men have a hard time um cl- being clear about what they want to receive it's kind of amazing yeah. like they, they they go on all these dating apps and there's they act like so specific i need a nine inch cock uh, 
I need it on a Tuesday. <laughs> and it's got to be smooth and, and it's got to be, and it's got to be 25 years old. Exactly. <laughs> and it's got to be a ginger. And it's got to be Asian. <laughs> It's got to check mean, all boxes. Right? I know, but really, this isn't this isn't what people need at all. No, no. What I find is that, like, or what I think what all men find in, in these going to these workshops is that they're completely inclusive, right? Mm-hmm. Basically, any any adult male is welcome, regardless of age or infirmity. They can they could even be an amputee, and that would be perfectly okay. You know, um, there's the still the odd guy that'll send me a photograph and a full length nude, and he says this is good enough. And this, like this idea that that even in yoga, I might be, I might be assessing people as being a good physical fit. Like that's just to what? me the height of absurdity. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. It's no, no. It's we're laughing, but it's very sad. Yeah. Really, really Even despite some me- messaging that I'm really clear that all all adult males are welcome, right? Yeah. So and, there's a and, lot of insecurity there. It sounds. Oh, like. oh yeah. yeah. And then and in the and then people find that in the workshop, they'll sometimes get a physical connection with somebody who, who they wouldn't even notice on the street because once you're with somebody and you see their beautiful personality. And if they are give, and if they are giving something that you want to receive, then there's, then there could be the spark of love, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and now on the, and then on the giving side, uh, people too often think I want to give what I want to give. As mm-hmm. as givers, we should be looking out what what do people wish to receive. Really, that's a really interesting approach, and I think that is. So, so I've I've flipped. Um, see, on both yeah. sides, giving and receiving, I flipped it, and this is why. And and the receiving, I would say, is is maternal. Uh, so the giving is viewed as a masculine trait, right. and and the and the receiving exactly. is feminine. Right. Think, but think about this too. So this, so wanting something desperately, that is a that's feminine and that's a very powerful and a potentially aggressive emotion, right? Mm-hmm. If you've ever heard the term, the term hungry bottom, that's, that's sort of where that comes. Like, there we go. Like really like, like when somebody says, Oh, fuck me, daddy. Yeah. Right. you got this really masculine bottom energy. End. energy, but it is still feminine, but it is still feminine, right? It's wow. the, it's the wanting. It's the, bringing something into the earth, right? Mm-hmm. Is And then the giving, well, that's all masculine machinations, thinking about what, you know, it's the care, but it's also like the caring aspect of the father wanting to, wanting to give to the child, but, but it's still, you have to figure that out, right? It has yeah. to be, giving is very active, both, mm-hmm. both emotionally and intellectually, right? So right. it's very, receiving is more earthly and embodied and and giving is is much more like creating a work of art right you know you have to think about think about it to be appropriate right 
So I hope, does that make sense to you? No, that makes sense. And I hope that people, the audience listening, I know there's a lot of stuff going on. Well, I'm <laughs> emphasizing a lot of stuff and I, I hope people can bear with me here. No, you're doing an amazing job. I, I'm, I know we were touching a little bit about your workshops and different sessions. And I think it's probably time for us to talk about, you know, what happens in the session. Can you, can you walk us through a session? Okay. Why, why might someone come to you? The most important part of, of setting, um, you know, setting up a either private one-on-one session or particular workshop, which is my main focus, mm-hmm. is um, so it's creating a welcoming space, a welcoming container. Um, so creating a calm environment. Um, what distinguishes me from other people mm-hmm. is I don't use music. I really mm-hmm. want us to be, because I want us to be aware of our breath, our smells, uh, um, uh, the sound of ourselves talking, all of this really subtle things that we miss. So, so I don't use music. So we'll usually set up in a circle. Okay. And then we'll undress and what I'll typically do is have men work in pods and they undress each other. And there's a, there's a few reasons for this. There's a few reasons for doing this. And I might do different, uh, different approaches to undressing, but I create a ritual where people, we ask people, what do you want to get rid of? And then they, then they announce that. And then you have the symbolic sloughing off of something that you want to get rid of. Wow. And then do Yes. Can I ask you, like, do people ever get nervous during that ritual part of the undressing? Like uh, the first timers, the first timers, from first timers, you see a lot of clammy, clammy skin, you know, sweating, and and they'll and they'll usually and usually yeah. the first timers they'll get quite hard, you know, you know. Some of them like that because if they're sort of if they have exhibit, exhibitionist tendencies, but a lot of guys they they feel very vulnerable being hard. You know, so, 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 so I bring that right out in the open at the beginning. I say, your bodies are fine just the way they are. You know, you know, it doesn't matter if your, mm-hmm. your dick's hard or soft or, you know, it doesn't, you know, that's, that's of no, no consequence. And, and although a lot of guys are coming thinking, right. oh, I want to get aroused. I want to get off they'll find what they really enjoy is a camaraderie and connection. That's ultimately what really, it really emerges for them. Okay. And the the eroticism is just really, Oh, when we're getting connected. Okay. Yeah. We get turned on, but that's, we don't get turned on just to, just to have a hard cock. No, we want to have a connection, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it doesn't necessarily mean that we want, to penetrate or be penetrated, you know, just because we have a hard cock. That's, that's a big, that's a big mis- misunderstanding. There's all kinds of reasons why you might get aroused or not get aroused. Right. Um, well, it's, a very, and, it's a very human thing. Yeah. It's yeah. Very it's, human. Partly, it's partly physiological. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people are, and I've witnessed with myself and with many other men that uh, is that the orgasms, can happen with or without ejaculation, right? Totally. Yeah, totally. you can totally get into that spot space. And then there's the, the undressing ritual, and then obviously a bit yes. of, that's combined with a bit of um, a check-in as well, right? So I'm always doing, with all my activities, I'm trying to pack in as much information as possible without it seem, seeming information heavy, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, this undressing ritual, there's a lot going on, but the guys don't need to know that. You know, they can just feel it's very sensual, right? 
mm-hmm. you know but but for me i i i would i could easily tease it apart and you know and analyze all the components you know how long is a session typically or how long is a workshop or does it vary from yeah so generally if I, for a workshop i've been leaning towards like a 3 hour thing i wow, used i used to true. do i used to do say an hour and a half of straight straight yoga but with the combination of yoga and massage and and different types of touch and diff- different movement activities yeah i i like the three i like the three hours i like to get really get in there and, yeah and i'm getting, yeah, and, and i'm developing and i'm developing a retreats next uh, so I go with a two and a half hour day retreat as well. nice that's exciting yeah well sorry I, I didn't mean to interrupt feel free to continue so Oh, oh yeah. After, so, oh yeah. So, ritual redressing. Then there's a check in. Yeah, and then- yeah. And this is and 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 what was also happening uh, while people are being undressed is that they are reading each other's bodies, and they're being mm-hmm. very soft and delicate, and they're being and they're providing a lot of tender, loving care. So there's all kinds of things happening. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. the person being undressed is is being invited to close their eyes so again they're being entering a more different space entering the present and entering their bodies and and then from there um i'll usually i'll move into activities but the first for the first half an hour the activities will involve a lot of consensual um games mm-hmm. so and what i'm talking about there is is that i constantly need to talk about consent and have the men practice cons- practice consent, asking each other. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of really important reasons why I spend so much time on consent. One is because um, people have a hard time articulating what they like and what makes them feel uncomfortable. And this, and this evolves during the session. So, and consent can be given or taken away at any time, right? Yes, very important. So none of this implied consent nonsense, you know. Right. Obviously, like a, I've got a long disclaimer at the, you know, when people register, and I, I, I try to, uh, you know, ensure that everybody there is comfortable with non-penetrative touch on any part of the body, because that that just makes mm-hmm. a nice ground rule. So then, yeah. but then above or below that, you know, if if a guy's not say. For example, say if he's got a sore elbow and he doesn't want his elbow being touched, then that's his responsibility to say, mm-hmm. don't touch my elbow. Yeah, like that would yeah. be a boundary that he'd have to establish. Spank me, don't spank me. Right. right. And then also the other men practice saying um, saying no, no thank you or not right now, ask me later, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so we practice refusing refusing mm-hmm. sometimes we'll practice refusing even reasonable requests because nothing is because when it comes to emotions you know nothing is shameful right yeah exactly yeah so don't yeah don't touch don't touch my shoulder yeah yeah mm-hmm. and that's perfectly reasonable and and the person asking doesn't have the right to say why 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 you know yeah. none, of that, none of that coercion but they could, you know but they could ask again later you know. Yeah, because things can change, right? So then we move into a lot of different movement activities, and this could, this could, this could look like many different things. 
Yeah, I think uh, it just depends on the group or just depends on... Or, or sometimes I might decide to put bring a particular focus, uh, you know, and then, for example, like, oh, today I want to do... Uh, usually with men, what I do is I'll spend a lot of time on balance because just because with men's health and as men age, they don't, they need to take care of uh, protecting themselves from falling and falling in a healthy way. Like this, this is very practical stuff, but, but when you're, but it, it feeds in and, but it still feeds into Tantra because, because if you, if you're stable and standing and you have all these good positions and you feel the strength in your body, which is fantastic as you become aware of your connection to the earth so so it all feeds back and and um when we are helping each other in these postures there is a there's an acknowledgement of the whole body so so there can be erotic energy Mm -hmm. brought into any of these positions and we continue to acknowledge the the whole body you know Mm -hmm. you know so with just with like delicate delicate touch and we acknowledge the genitals without fetishizing them, right? Right, yeah. Can, can you elaborate on that? Yeah, without an excess focus. So, for example, like, say somebody's, let's see, what, what's an example of a, okay, okay. So, say say somebody's get, uh, lying down on their back, they're getting a, they're getting a massage, and then they get hard or something like that. Okay, so mm-hmm. so the so the the person giving the massage they could they could um, they could decide to to work with the erotic energy and then massage the penis and there's ter- and there's several different techniques, but then they would but they wouldn't but but they wouldn't be um, massaging somebody to climax or anything like that. No, they. What you do is there's a bit of arousal, and then what you do is you actually is actually you symbolically move the energy away from the genitals into the rest of the body, and you sort of fan you sort of fan out, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and then you you may or may not come, and then you you may uh, no, I mean you may not sort of come come back. You might not come back to to the genitals. It just depends where the person goes. And then usually after you do the fan out, then usually the erection subsides and the person gets more the body tingles, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, sensation. And there tends to be a lot of blockages in the body. Um so so what I what I tend to do is is I will um so you move energy out of the anus and the prostate and the genitals. And then you sort of move energy into the hara, which is sort of like the seat of consciousness in Gen- Zen Buddhism, sort of uh, between the b- between the pubic bone and the and the belly button, right? Yes, yeah, so you move that energy into there, and then from there, it's sort of that becomes like your energy well throughout the practice, and and it it's very easy to sort of contain energy there, and you won't get exhausted, right? Yeah, I have to focus there a lot because I can give way too much to people. Like, wait, yeah, yeah, it's 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 a constant battle to to do. You showing me on video yeah. like what what's happening, what part of the body is really really helpful too. For those who aren't watching, be sure to check out on Patreon. But sure. I have a quick question as well, and I'm sure 
people will also have questions too. So within Tantric Touch, um, you are massaging or maybe you're touching, but not to climax or are there instances where you are touching to Um, climax? People will do that. You know, I don't, that's a professional boundary. I don't, I don't like to do. And also I don't, it's Mm -hmm. also, it's, it's also more about, it's also partly about the messaging, you know, like if there's Mm -hmm. no difference between what I do and a rub and tug, then, um, it sort of it sort of misses the point, you know. You know, so so yeah, I was yeah, wondering so about if, that too. Yeah, like how so I don't, so I won't do that. Like, there's no shame if the there's no shame if the client, you know, if during a workshop, if if some guys get a connection and then they want to mess around or they want to mutually bet masturbate, you know. That's okay, but but what I do try and do is create a create a framework that we don't lose touch of our intention, right? You know, because the intention right. is not is not the intention of these workshops is not ejaculation. It's about it's about it's about opening consciousness. It's about it's about healing trauma. It's about it's about enjoying camaraderie, having having fun. It's you know, mm-hmm. and and so the and so the sexual satisfaction piece. Well, that yeah. So that's just a part of be, being a piece about being human, right? Yeah. But yeah, but it's not the be all and end all. And so 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 I guess this this uh, sort of overlaps, um, you know, another subject of of yours bring up, and you know, what is the difference between tantric touch and sex work okay and so that's mm-hmm. the difference so um sexuality is involved but it's not about sex right so that's and and again there's similar to sex work in the sense that there's no shame around sexuality although 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 mm-hmm. in um Although I guess in some sex work you do play with the role playing around around shame and you you take advantage of that. Whereas ultimately I would be, I might play, uh, you know, I might play verbally with some of those shame narratives, right? Like mm-hmm. like what am I supposed to do if somebody wants to be called a slut, right? Um, this is a bit problematic. But it also can be, but if handled skillfully, it can be, it can be a bit of fun too. If the client develops a, a meta perspective on their own desires, then they can tease apart whether, whether the play is demeaning or empowering, right? Because ultimately, I, I cannot mm-hmm. make an assumption about what somebody feels. I'm not so... So I right. I don't want to say that somebody is demeaning themselves. I I don't want to make that assumption. I have so many questions and observations yeah. <laughs> stemming from this from this conversation. And I promise we won't go on too many tangents. But I'm just so curious. So a couple things. Um, when people are maybe wanting to get into or wanting to address um, maybe the demeaning aspects, do you think? that it would be more appropriate for them to seek out, say, uh, like a dominatrix or something that would really specifically cater to that? Because this is not really the intention. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I would, you know, I when I come across, it's, it's the same with 
if I come across uh, spiritual or mental issues that I cannot, um, that I cannot, you know, that I cannot offer anything where I have limited experience, then I, you know, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll make a referral if I know of somebody or I'll encourage mm -hmm. them to, like, for example, like, you know, say if I'm doing, if I'm doing touch or if I'm teaching touch mm -hmm. and it's quite, it's quite a simple, it, my philosophy of touch is really quite, quite simple. It's, 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 um, you feel, feel for what, where there's pleasure and you feel for where there's blockage and pain. Right. And, and that's, that's basically, that's, that's my massage practice. Gotcha. And and I and I learned so much about people's bodies just by doing that. So what I say, if I can't offer offer something, if I can't give them what they need, then I'll I'll make some suggestions. You know, like mm -hmm. you could refer to a you know a proper sex worker, like a, a dominatrix or something like that. Yeah, depending. Or sometimes I feel something. Oh yeah, my point is sometimes there's things that I don't understand coming up in a massage, and I say, okay, that to me this is. I might say this is not muscular tension to me. Please see a doctor. I don't understand this. Like for example, like I, I'll typically, almost every guy I will typically, uh, I'll touch a spot just below the pubic bone between the the cock and the pubic bone. It's a very powerful energy center. Okay. There was one cl one client out of a hundred. He said that feels painful, and I said, oh, that doesn't that doesn't make any sense to me. You know, uh, I've never, I've never experienced that. So, so you know, my feeling is you probably just had a, um, um, a like a, a muscular tear or something like that. You know, and probably just needs to get that checked out. You know, so if there's muscular tension, I know what to do around uh, around how to get into it. And again, coming back to giving and receiving, the person has to develop their receptivity for a massage or touch to be effective. Right. That's really important. And so, the, so what I, and this is what d distinguishes me from an RMT, mm -hmm. you know, so particularly I find, you know, for example, around the hips or the buttocks, um, you push in and guys tend to resist and you can really feel it when they're resisting the touch. And then, right. And then, and then, okay, if they're resisting, then we're not going anywhere, really. Yeah. You know, so I have no effectiveness if they're resisting. So what I do is I, then, then, then I have to work with them psychologically. There's, there's nothing. I, okay, I just say breathe into the spot. You know, their breath doesn't physically go down there, but somehow bringing the intention down into the spot of tension. Mm -hmm. And then I get them to imagine, use their full imagination to feel them, themselves completely. Okay. And, and, and then, and then they open, they open up and I'll, I'll get them to say things like, uh, I will get them to say, read, let me in. I will get them to vocalize it. Read, let me in. I want them to actually ask for it. Are you going to, yeah. are you going to be vulnerable with me? Because I, right. if you're, if you don't trust me, then we need to do something about it. You know, I'm not mm -hmm. perfect. I'm going to make mistakes, but but at least go part way on the journey. Are you curious? Right. Mm -hmm. Well, this has been fascinating. Are you willing to, 
This are you willing to take that risk because they are getting vulnerable? There are risks for re-traumatization. The work's powerful. The yeah. Work's powerful. I want to steer us back a little bit too. I, I did love this pageant. It was so, so fascinating. Uh, and there's, there are so many parallels um, within this type of work, um, aspects of sex work, um, and talk cool. in general with a, a lot of different body work and people that have in, I've interviewed before yeah what parallels do you see between what i was describing and yeah well like just i was just when we were talking about earlier with with going into like you know things that you don't offer i I was speaking with another provider and she was a professional cuddler um it's the Uh, oh yeah uh, oh yeah which is all about touch all about touch and if anyone's curious that's the episode with uh felicity azara that's just a few episodes ago with professional cuddling and mm-hmm. um she has had some experiences where she's and she's also a dominatrix too but she's had experiences when what were they're asking for certain things um that is probably better suited for a different aspect of sex work so it's really cool and and interesting to hear how you handle it and i think how you handle it is super professional and and really 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 cool to see what your process uh, is yeah well i'm not i'm not thinking about professionalism so as much as i'm thinking of caring mm-hmm. you know, yes I'm, it is yeah. and it, totally and that's another parallel too because i feel with sex work a lot of it is caring a lot of it is healing too and i want to kind of go back into your session and how you're describing your sessions and you mentioned something earlier um and we also mentioned in the beginning of the show too but talking about uh, releasing trauma, releasing pain, and mm-hmm. specific pain points that are on the body. So, did you want to go into that? Avenue? Uh, sure, uh, sure. It's um, I've, I've have sort of touched on what happens when trauma is released, but but I didn't sort of go into the specific mechanisms. So, so again, uh, when I, I said I was, um, you know, I was working with a client who said he was like this you know, aggressive top. And then he started crying. Okay. So the mechanism around that was, was doing this. We were touching each other's chests and staring the eyes. And I just, and I just kept on inviting him into me Mm. repeatedly. And then I just noticed that these uh, walls were just starting to fall away. And then it literally feels like, and then finally when he releases, it really feels like a rush of water over me. Wow. Really, it's quite palpable, really- and then his, and then the tears, and then the tears come, or or sometimes laughter, which is really great. Suddenly, mm-hmm. sometimes we're doing some uh, massage work, and we all start laughing. Yeah, like is that we just with nerves? Just hit some, just no, it's not prepared. Just hit a certain area, and then mm-hmm. I become like so. The client releases the laughter, and then I become aware of their feelings because and then we all you know and then everybody in the room could start laughing it could be quite <laughs> contagious <laughs> or uh, or it's it's interesting with uh, you know um i remember doing this touching thing with one guy and he was he was when we were holding each other's chest chests and he was i don't know he seemed a bit held back and he was um and and he was expressing so much anger, it, oh. it was, like it was so forceful. I, he didn't realize it was ang- angry. And then I I came up and said, you know, it's okay. 
Mm-hmm. And then I just touched him. I intervened like he was working with another guy and I thought, okay, he's really escalating and he doesn't seem to be getting it. Mm-hmm. And, and then I just touched and then I said, it's okay. It's okay, brother. And then he just started crying. Wow. I just flipped Powerful. like that because he was, because he, he was having fun with the activity, but he was just approaching it really energetically. And it was, he was more this masculine imposition rather than just letting it happen to him right letting letting it into his body so i I would so that's what i'm there so i have to constantly work the room right yeah Uh, to see see if uh, if people are getting it because it's very very subtle and and just seeing a yoga posture like downward dog is not enough to to experience it and to really see where you can take it Mm -hmm. So I'll go through a lot of um, yoga postures, and mm-hmm. to me, it's a really nice um, connects with massage quite beautifully mm-hmm. because basically, with massage, with yoga, we are massaging our ourselves internally if we're doing it properly, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas, uh, whereas, whereas, massage traditionally that's something that you do on another person passively, so. So it's, it's an active relaxation, passive. And so you notice here that I keep on coming up with these dualities, right? Yeah. Masculine, feminine, giving, receiving. Right. Active, passive. Uh, it's important that we need to be able to relax in an active way as well as in a passive way. So, so, and that's, and so that's where the breathing techniques come in because even with, either either massage or yoga just breathe easily keep energy flowing if right. the energy is flowing we'll die the problem with uh with you know with thinking about tantra in terms of being the same as sex uh, and the problems this this creates it's because um you know, sex, sex, you have the motion of, with sex, we're trying to collect an experience, right? Right. When we want, we want a sexual experience, collect it and put it in our memory bag, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But with Tantra, you know, but with Tantra, like we might be looking for sexual energy, but we want to move it. So as soon as I've got it, I might need to, as soon as I have it, say in my, in my anus and saying, Sexual energy, oh, I've got the feeling of want to be fucked. Okay. And then, but no, no, you move that energy somewhere else and then it becomes something else. Or you, when you're done with it, you give it away. Wow. I get energy from somebody else. So with Tantra, we keep on moving and expanding consciousness. It's uh, so, it, so it's collective. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's a collective. Oh, yeah. So it's a, a collective experience. Obviously, if you're doing tantra alone, that would be different. Right. But you'd still move the energy with nature, right? Mm. You know, you're not. You're not definitely not alone. And in terms of you know, in terms of the tradition, this comes from the the self as we know it does not exist, right? Right. You know, uh, this this uh, you know I I operate with the assumption that the universe is a totality and that the self is just an artificial division. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so, so when we're doing the, and this is an important piece that I didn't mention yet. I talk Mm -hmm. a lot about mirrors in my work. 
Okay. So I will often sing to sing to a group. Yeah. Or a, club, uh, a song called "I'll Be Your Mirror," because this this describes how how me as a facilitator I will reflect my client back to them. My, mm. you know, and then this protects protects us from transference because mm-hmm. I will remind the client that if you see anything in me, that's act that is you. That's you. That is yeah. you. That is wow. definitely you. These are this is all about you and your feelings, Stephanie. This this podcast is all about you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, and then from my perspective, everything's about me. It can't be any other way. Wow. And then and then we also project ourselves onto the other. That's part of right. right. You know, and then we see the reflection. We see ourselves reflected back. So so. Yeah. Yeah, that's really, that's really important. Reflection, reflection projection. Mm-hmm. And so this is something that I that I touch on quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Would that signify the end of a session or like coming back to uh, oneself or uh, Well, uh, yeah, I close the container um typically by we come back into a circle. Mhm. Uh, before that, we'll typically, I'll do it usually in a group setting, I will do a modified version of Shavasana. Um, mm-hmm. For those who are not aware, Shavasana is corpse pose. It's the, it's everybody's favorite yoga asana yes. where you pretend that you're dead. <laughs> or fall asleep. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a good reminder that we all die, of course. It's, you know, it's, it's important that we are aware of our that we're always aware that we are in the world for a short period of time, mm-hmm. you know, and we do our yeah. best to be, a, have a loving, a loving experience, you know, mm-hmm. but what was I going to say? So we'll do a modified Shavasana, which I'll, which I'll combine with a cuddle pile. Oh, right? so, so it does. So, so that's when you talked about a cuddle party. Well, yeah. So I'm totally yeah. game with that. Cause that's part, cause more important than, than, um, the most important part of all the touch, you know, in a group setting is the T is the TLC taking care of each other. Yes. Right? And, and cuddling is all about caring. Um, then I also talk about, there's so many things I, that there's just no time to, to touch <laughs> go on. into everything. Yeah. yeah. Like there's also a whole, there's also a whole rhythmic aspect to a workshop like this. Like I'm very, like I'm a composer and musician, so for me, every, so for me, all energy. I talk about energy, right? This all be about moving, moving energy, right? Mm-hmm. Well, energy uh, moving is dance, and is rhythm. Yes, and and we need to always choose the right rhythm. Like, for example, do we want do we uh, and tempo? Do we want do we want things fast? Do we want things slow? There's so many decisions to make. Um, hard, soft, pushy, resilient. Uh, there's so many qualities, and and to me, to and to me, using music is is the most apropos uh, metaphor because because music is is how we describe our consciousness in time as it's happening. Right? Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a rhythm to life. You know, there's a the dance-like quality to the and and breathing it's also rhythmic our heart rate is also rhythmic right the uh, and rhythm all and rhythm also shows us the nature the dualistic nature of 
life because if you have a beat like this for example so you have the beat and then between the beat what is that there's nothing so this mm -hmm. is existence void existence void it's constantly rhythm is constantly reminding us when something exists and when it doesn't mm. wow so, there's, there's so great. much that, that is encompassed so, within a session yeah, so you can see that i have a so although I might not talk about the uh, theoretical underpinnings of my work, it really is important to see that it's a it's a synthesis of of art and spirituality and and experience. I wouldn't say science. I would not I would not be presumed to say that yoga or tantra is a science of mind. Uh, I think that would be presumptuous. Okay. Because because I do not use scientific methods, right? Right. You know, I'm in, I'm intuitive. So, but, and that's why I don't talk about believing. I don't, I don't want to sell people copies of the Bhagavad Gita. I don't want them to join my cult. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> yeah. I just want, I just want people to be curious mm -hmm. about and to feel and to be alive. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, and then people can decide what they want to believe. Like it's a matter of what do you feel and do you know this in your heart or are you just pretending, right? Yeah, it's deep. It's like, so are we being authentic? Are we being authentic? So I don't want you to believe in any Hindu God. Mm -hmm. I might refer to them it, like it's helpful, helpful stories. Mm -hmm. I, I even talk about Christian stories. I talk about martyrs and I talk about St. Francis of Assisi and St. Teresa mm -hmm. of Avila a lot. They have a lot to teach us. Wow. Okay. I'm switching it a little bit here. I want to know about yeah. um, maybe doing? the clients that come. Yeah. Yeah. I know this is, this has been fascinating. Like this is a world that I just have really not a lot of experience or exposure to. So I'm like, this is really, really awesome. But in and terms it of like sex with your world, doesn't it? Does it intersects with your world? Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, what about like your clients? Like, who? What's your demographic? Um, do you have people that keep coming to you after going to one session? Is there mm -hmm. a particular age, or is it just anyone is invited? It's super inclusive, or well, like I was saying, it's open to all all people who identify as men. I'm expanding. Uh, I'm expanding to include all gen genders, but um, I'm, I'm, I want to be very careful when I start inviting women, just just because women have have more more safety issues around work like this, and yes. and, and I need to, I really need to examine this carefully, you know. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I, want, I, I need to feed people to feel safe, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah and and i have had some issues in the past with with straight men um being interested in um in mixed in mixed sessions and i and i didn't like yeah. some of the language that they used mm -hmm. a, bit, uh, a bit of entitlement oh can can you address that in in terms of like uh, i just noticed that there there were a few straight in, inquiries from straight men where they they where they were kind of bossy about me getting female instructors who would be naked. Oh, oh I, I found that I found that disturbing. 
Yeah, me too. Yeah, and then when I and then when I didn't tell him what he wanted, he called me a cocksucker. Like, I, you oh, know, like sure. like it's it's very it's very trolling. But it, but it's sad because where's he coming from? Like that's messed up. Like, that is super messed up. You're like what what kind of what kind of sex life does he have? Like, a, do, yeah. you know, it, it pains pains the mind. Like he's not he's not fun for his he's not going to be fun for his partners. No. And 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 he's not having fun himself. He's stuck in this in this he's stuck in this delusional idea about, about what love is. Too. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm talking just about the the psychological losses, right? But but and then but then it's also a tragedy in terms of society and misogyny and you know how how why are we still why are we still here? after uh, you know but but again these are the these are the far the minority most of the guys are lovely they've been from age 20 to 82 amazing uh, yeah yeah it's oh, and it's really beautiful having elders we, we really need to learn from elders and to yes. feel their experience oh absolutely yeah. i feel like sometimes the way that society looks at like older people they just don't treat them the same. Like even I was listening to a podcast and this is not, not really related, yeah, yeah. but yeah, yeah. Um, they were talking about uh, seniors and we don't view them as being capable of having sex or seeing them as sexual beings at all. Yeah, like, I know. It's really wrong. Yeah. I know. Yeah. yeah I know. And, and like I was saying before, like, you know, so, you know, the, you know, once you're over 60, you're not, you know, you're not going to get powerful erections like you did, or they'll be infrequent, but really that has nothing to do with your sex drive. Really? Mm -hmm. No. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't experienced any um, diminishment of my sex drive as I've got older. There we go. <laughs> yeah. There's, and there's, there's so many things, uh, you know, there's, it's, it's never, yeah, it's never too late. It's never too late. I've seen, uh, I've seen profound things in just over an afternoon with an 80 something coming to terms with coming to terms with grief or um, uh, coming to terms with aging uh, that the whole, that whole body dysmorphia that comes with aging too, is particularly difficult. It's different yeah. from the uh, different from a young person. I, I, I personally find um 20 somethings the most difficult clients oh can you go into that um, in terms of uh, young people uh tend to uh, tend to be uh, entitled on, <laughs> well i wasn't actually experiencing that that like there there is that thing with millennials with some millennials you know yes but that's not the issue i'm talking about i am talking about um intense body dysmorphia with the young typically oh. but not acknowledged not acknowledged wow. i noticed patterns which you know which are kind of weird like lots of shaving of the body and mm -hmm. a kind of um to me i look at the symbolism and it's a kind of infantilism yeah but it's but it's but it's also not good from a but it's also not good from a sensual point of view because uh, when you shave off your hair, you're, you're left, you're, it's harder to, um, it's harder to stimulate the follicles. So it's actually, so it's actually harder to massage people if they shave, shave off their hair. Interesting. And I mean, this is not really related, but a little bit related too, because I've always wanted to speak with someone from like 
um, the hairy community in terms of like um, like a hairy fetish because that's a yeah. whole. They tend to be a lot. They tend to be a lot sec- more sexually healthy. Yes, like I found uh, for me the uh, for me the bears and the BDSMs they're the they're the sex. Ironically, they're the the healthiest most sexual sure. yeah sexually healthy yeah yeah you accept you're especially with the bears like they accept the the hairiness of the body for what it is and so they're more in touch with the the sensual pleasure of hair mm. people like to shave a lot you know it's a it's kind of a kink yeah and and, and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna shame it but but there is but there is a loss of sensation and I just want to put it, mm-hmm. put it out there, especially if people are trying to maximize sexual pleasure. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I see it, if you're working with a kink, then you're working at the, the intellectual pleasure, you know, which is fantastic. I think, mm-hmm. I think that's more important actually than the physical part. Very. But, but, but at the same time, we don't want to compromise our bodies. Right. Right. You know? So, you know, you know, you can you can talk about you can talk about psychological red flags for for a number of of kinks, and I wouldn't want to shame shame any of them. Mm-hmm. But where we have to just the same as you know BDSM, you know, you use the safe words. Um, uh, if you're if you're doing bondage, you you do it in a way that's that's safe, right, and doesn't constrict the body. So, or or if you're or if you're working with um, auto asphyxiation and stuff like that yeah so keep all these things in mind that you know is your body getting the expression that it needs yeah don't don't uh, don't sacrifice don't sacrifice your your body on the um, altar of our personas mm-hmm. right yeah right. we are not our personas and this is again this is where i i for me, I'm coming from a totally different angle mm-hmm. than, than the sex community again, because okay, so the, so I would say normally a sex worker will be scratching an itch, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Whereas somebody will bring their kink to me, and I say, "Oh, that's interesting. That's beautiful. Now, what else do you have?" Right. I want to see the whole person, right? Yeah. So, so that's so, a small part. Well, that's so. So rather than drilling down into the kink, I'll sort of sort of just sort of open up from the kink and move move out to get a trying to get the complete the complete human being. Right, the whole picture. Yeah. Well, before we move into Q and A, was there any closing notes? I know there's a lot today, and I'm I'm sure we didn't cover everything, but like uh, I think uh, the good yeah, maybe, like, yeah, points. I, yeah, maybe what I could do is uh, I didn't talk about sort of my take on the Mas- Maslowian. Um, Oh yes, a hierarchy of needs. Yeah, let's quickly go. So we have a couple, a couple minutes just to talk about my, my sense of of how my work fits within, fits within our our human needs, right? Yeah. So, so in terms of a Maslowian pyramid, so like as I've told you before, I don't like hierarchy or anything like that. But this is helpful. It this helps me to frame my stuff, and this is. It's it's obviously a, a work in progress. So at the top, I'd say this is where we are unified with with the universe. And and um, as I explained to you before, like say say on the if you observe the physical properties of the universe, it's like energy and 
matter. And, um, but from an emotional perspective, when we are in touch with the universe, no, we, we are experiencing love and joy. So right. that's, and that is at the top of our needs. That's, we need to be in a state of love and joy continuously. Yes. And, and I would say that, and this is just joy is not like the opposite of suffering. This, this is a joy that is like ever present and and mm. so even when we're suffering we're still inside of that joy so it's different from happiness right not sure okay. if this makes any sense but but this is what they talk about when when the buddha reaches enlightenment you no know, he feels he feels intense peace and joy but he still will say that that life is suffering right yeah. Mm. You, you, okay. you, reckon, you you can you you reconcile these opposites once you reach so so for example you could this is what they say when somebody is might be dying of cancer painfully but they still feel bliss and you hear about this when people are dying mm. because they have entered that they have accepted life for what it is and they've entered a state of joy and spiritual peace Okay, so that's so that's what I'm talking about as sort of the the apex of what I'm working towards. Okay, and then below that is is I'd say we're more in the psychological area, and for me, this I'm talking about art and religion, and, mm, yes. and, and music, and and I I would say that our conscious, you know, that our life itself and our consciousness is mythopoetic. And what I mean by that is that our life and that that our psychological life is like the the lives of the ancient Greek myths. We live through we live through these myths and these narratives and stories. The myth of Sisyphus describes us all, for example, pushing that rock up the hill. Okay. And the same and and the same as as I was saying, that music describes our consciousness. Mm-hmm. In that same sense, that is part of this artistic frame, which is this is kind of like the same as our consciousness. We consciousness is our moment to moment moment creation. It is like it is like our own work of art. Okay. 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 If that makes sense, and then. Yeah. And then below, and then sort of below that, I'm talking about more of our physical needs. So this would be sex, mm. and movement, and eating, and all those beautiful things would be right. there. So so Under again, needs. like so so again, in terms of this perspective, like sex is obviously important, but it's it's piece of this. It's a piece of a big picture, and and it's yeah. important that that people don't that despite the importance of of sex in tantra it's not the same as sex and and tantra provides a very uh you know a specific approach yeah yeah yeah, with a deeper meaning and of course going back to that whole conversation we had earlier with connecting with their spirituality no shame in getting off or anything like that i'm just saying that 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 what tantra offers and what my approach to embodiment offers is is different 
there's different. Yeah. yeah, no, it's great. And I love your own portrayal of that too, which is super fascinating. Um, we just have a couple questions here that came in. Beautiful. So I think it's time for some Q&A. So um, the first one is, is there anything male body workers struggle with that female body workers don't? I'm wondering if, you know, this is very, you know, this is difficult for me to talk about and maybe you could riff off of me, uh, Steph. Like, uh, like I would generally say that men do not fear sexual violence as much as women or, you know, I would, that's a general statement I would make. And both in terms of they're less at risk for sexual violence um, you know, so so um, male body workers might not have to deal with that. Yeah. But but I do from time to time, and obviously I'm sensitive because I was raped myself. It it's it's an area of sensitivity for me, especially if people feel and people do get triggered in sessions, and they feel like they feel like they've been um, they feel like they've been you know, attacked in some way or touched inappropriately. This does happen. It's sort of inevitable, right? right? Um, totally. You know, uh, you know. As, as much as I try to work with this consent model, um, there are risks. Um, you know, I've had, I've had to, I've had to, I've had to, you know, have, have long conversations sometimes with men who are upset. You know, mm. you know, um, it's it's inevitable. I do my do my best. And, and a couple of times, uh, you know, I do my best to, uh, you know, I, before taking on new uh, clients, I'll, I'll usually have a, a conversation to make sure they're sort of on, sort of get, get it. Yeah. yeah you know, they're, not being, um, they're not being, because um, if they've got a rapey vibe, I, you know, I'll, I'll just gently say, I don't think this is for yeah, you. Not going to work. Not, not going to be. No. But, but again, you can't, you know, you can't, you can't sort of clear out all the sociopaths. Well, right? that's the thing. You know? Like, I mean, I can only speak in general sweeping statements on based on what I know from my friends' accounts. I don't do any body work at all. I don't offer that as part of any of my services. But yeah, as you mentioned, the potential uh, risk of violence is a huge thing. Um, the amount of screening that we have to do um, – is a huge thing as well, which I feel like, and I, I'm just making general assumptions here and correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah, yeah. yeah, just because I don't have experience, but yeah, women, we have to take, um, we have to jump through further hoops to protect ourselves in this line of work. Um, yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. Way life. yeah. And, um, uh, I think, uh, I think a female body worker, if, like if they want to mo- work, like me and work work in terms of um you know the de-shaming of the body um no women have uh, body workers have their work cut out for them because the amount of nudity uh, shame about nudity with women is so uh it's just so so much stronger oh yeah with girls like I, like i've been shamed i've had women shame me for my work like saying it's disgusting oh, so i I'm de- i so i've had to deal with a lot of I don't usually have to deal with too many men who find the human body disgusting, but a lot of women, like how tragic is that? Where where women feel that they're, that men are disgusting. A lot of women find 
even if they're straight identifying, they say that they find penises disgusting. Like what? Like I don't get that. To, to me, like I worship, I worship the penis. Mm-hmm. Like, a, and and also and also female genitalia, I worship it. Like I I I I, I identify with with why with why the images of the yani and and the um, lingam are important. You know, this is. This is part of this is part of meiosis. This is part of how we reproduce. Mm-hmm. So it's not just so you know it's not just sexuality itself, which I view as sacred. But there's the reproductive aspect too, which is really significant. And you shouldn't shame any of that no. stuff. Like it's it's precious. Yeah. It's precious. And that is trauma in itself. Yeah, that is trauma. And and I and and, and I, I still have some anger. Like a, a woman shamed me for leading yoga classes and that was about that was like 15 years ago and I still remember angrily remember that conversation yeah, I'm sorry that you went through that that's awful but but well you know but you know people involved with this type of work have to deal with it all the yeah. time yeah anything to do with but, naked bodies or just bodies in general sometimes anything people just tend to sexualize and fetishize and then we just become targets targets on our back yeah well i yeah well i think uh you know i think the fact that 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 um that naked genitals are still considered obscene Mm -hmm. whereas whereas images of violence are perfectly acceptable this is a per this is this is perversion it's totally it's totally opposite of what it should be we should be just saying if if we if somebody's fucking we should say oh how beautiful like yeah yeah like yeah you know as long as they're as long as they're loving each other (laughs) it's very frustrating but um the next question is really interesting um this one came from a a body worker and she's asking what the difference between tantric touch and edging is okay well yeah there's definitely an overlap yeah there is you know so you know, um, properly speaking, uh, you know, a tantric, tantric lovemaking would be all edging and there's no, and there's no, uh, no ejaculation, no, you know, um, so, so in the very traditional formats, people would just keep, uh, increasing the energy and then building it, building it, building it. And then, and then you, and then you put all the energy into your meditative practice. Mm-hmm. Um, Myself, uh, you know, I, I'd say, you know, definitely I do that. Like, like I was saying, you you know, you move the sexual energy into the body and everything. So in that case, it's not edging because you're not focusing on the cock and getting it closer and closer. No, no, you're actually cock might get aroused and then you move the energy out. Out. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you keep on building up the energy in the body to a higher and higher um, high and higher state of excitement and awareness, but 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 again, um, having an orgasm is beside the point. Mm. But but I guess what difference what's different for me and and the uh, other tantric and maybe most other tantric pr- practitioners is that is that if somebody ejaculates, it's no it's no problem, and I'm not going to sh- I'm not going to shame it. Which has actually become a problem in traditional tantra. You oh. actually shame the orgasm, and then, and then you're, then you're actually, um, 
you're sort of defeating yourself because you need to work with with nature right, right. um but the i think the point is is that you if that if you ejaculate you actually just keep working with your sexual energy even you can keep working with the orgasm after you've ejaculated that's sort of the main point you can keep you 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 didn't stop being a sexual being the energy keeps on actually building it and i've that's something that i've effectively helped men with you know if they think that if they accidentally ejaculate you know then there's there's a way to uh, there's a way to keep working with that energy yeah you know? and uh, so 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 i would say the traditional tantric practitioners got it wrong to think that that with the with the semen that's sort of the end of a of a session or the sex or whatever right. uh, yeah to me it's to me it's still it's still still move still moving oh, on, okay you know Great answer. And I know that that person will be listening to this episode. She's really excited for it. So shout out to Lexi. <laughs> that one's for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think, I think with her, if she's really curious about that, you know, um, well, she could reach out to me and I could, it'd be, it would be fun to actually show her all the, the different techniques or to move away from simple, sim- simply edging towards more the increasing of consciousness. Sort of a holistic approach to approach to sex. Awesome. Well, on that note, um, where can we find you? Oh, okay. So the best place to reach me if you're interested right now is um, is New Dude Yoga, one word at uh, gmail dot com. Mm-hmm. I also have a New Dude Yoga Twitter page. That one that one has the full frontal nudity that I can't put on my Facebook page, which is also New Dude New Dude Yoga. The New Dude Yoga Facebook page is mostly I'm sharing uh, lots of tidbits and and some pictures of hot guys and but also some but also some useful tidbits about Kegel exercises and things to you know things for your health. And I also and also tips about different yoga postures and stuff like Perfect. that. Perfect. I'll be sure to plug in all those links in the show notes below. And, and, and uh, for 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 men male listeners, I have a workshop coming up uh, next Tuesday, uh, February fifteenth, and then uh, February twenty second. And um, for people who are that are interested, please email me uh, newdudeyoga at gmail dot com. Yes, and do spaces. In- Spaces are limited due to COVID, yes, of course. Of course. Do you have any uh, workshops coming up in March? Um, no, I'm I'm hoping, to, uh, but there probably will be. I'm also be doing some uh, online uh, yoga focused trainings where I'll be sharing my practice. But each session, I'll be focusing on on um, different areas of concern, like for example, balance is a big one with males. Uh, hip openers, big with males, chest openers, awesome. uh, shoulder work. Uh, I, I tend to focus on areas that are pro- problematic with male bodies, but but uh, but gotcha. but uh, I sort of move on from there. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, great. Well, if you do have any more dates, because this episode actually will be out, I think near the end of February, but. Uh, tune in everyone every single Sunday's new episodes as you all may know uh, unless you're brand new here but it's Strip by Sia on all podcast platforms Strip by Sia on Twitter on Instagram 
Um, my personal CSF, if you want to get at me, don't forget to like, rate, share, review, and subscribe on all podcast platforms. Maybe write me a nice little review if you enjoy the show. And subscribe or maybe consider becoming a patron on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash strip by Sia. And that's it for this week. Reed, thank you so very much for your time today. It was so good to see you again to connect. Yeah, it was lovely to see you and thanks for and thanks for uh, having me on your on your show. It's it's fun. I, we actually talked touched on I think a lot of the stuff we Yes, I think we did. Thank yeah. you so so much everyone. If you have feedback, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Bye-bye. listening to Stripped by Sia, hosted, produced, and edited by Steph Sia, music by Ted D, graphic design by Maria Bellandarama, and photography by Ian Dabern. <laughs>